about to get it in today. You know what I'm saying? Me and my bros. We got Lil Sean in the building. We got yeah. Marcus 80 in the building. We got Kevon the Coop. We got Robert, also known as Trey. And then you got yours truly, Michael Zeke, in the building. About to get it down and drop some knowledge on y'all today. So uh, buckle up. Hold on to your hats and let's get it in, fellas. Most of us is working from home. Um, how have y'all been adjusting to that? What's What's the hardest part about working from home? What's the easiest? How how y'all been adjusting to that? Been adjusted to it. I mean, it's been it's been a little difficult. Even though I'm a uh, introverted person, I still a lot of what I do is based off like uh, I need that uh, physical or or personal interaction with people. I feel like I can still get a personal interaction, but it's a little different when you're not face to face because you can't hear the tone of people. I can't see uh, their their actions when I'm talking to them and what they're saying. So the uh, Call and response is kind of, you know, a little different. So it's uh, it's been a little tough adjusting to it. I ain't gonna lie, but uh, I don't know. It's been it's been something that uh, I feel like is uh, necessary for like today's climate and what's going on. So while in a way this ain't really my my way of interacting with people, at the same time I, I understand why we in this situation are being put in this situation. So I'm just taking it one step at a time and just learning as I go how to do this virtual work basically mike yeah man no doubt it's it's difficult man um so for for me you know obviously working in education our our work is really always face to face person to person um relationship to relationship and now when you uh get this um well they call it social distancing but i like to call it physical distancing because we still can be connected socially. We just can't necessarily be near each other, right? There's six feet away uh, parameter and no le- and no more than 10 people coming together in one one location, you know? But the, the, the tough part about it all is, is again, just trying to make sure that you find time to get what you need, right? As, as, as Marcus said earlier, you know, he's an introvert. Um, so sometimes it's okay to be away from folks, but people like me who are extroverts, I get my energy by being around people by being connected to others outside of my home. Uh, so that's always gonna be uh, something that, that that's uh, tough to work with. The other piece about it is just for me, just individually, just talking about the, the level of work that we have to um, still get done while we are um, in this uh, stay at home order. It's almost like nearly impossible. I mean, you gotta think, so I gotta still do my full-time job. I got four kids at home that is trying to uh, do distance learning. So we got to make sure that we support them and manage them through the process. Obviously, you know, my wife's home, so she helps out with that. But it's uh, it's not easy, right? Because, well, I kind of my education, but my wife not didn't go to school for to be a teacher. So now we're trying to figure out how to be uh, teachers in a space that's not really traditional for, for learning, right? At least not how we have set up our home to be uh, traditional for learning. And so that's different, right? Uh, then we got to think about just the, the the dynamics of not everybody is a learner on social media or um, virtual virtual platforms. So online learning is not going to be the best fit for everybody. And, and that goes directly to me. Right now I'm in a PhD program and I selected the PhD program at the University of Minnesota because it was face-to-face and that I was going to go to a class, I was going to sit in front of a professor, be with other students, in a space together to be able to build and connect. Um, now that we have had to transition to this online learning platform, I'm struggling, right? Because I don't have the accountability of having to get up and go somewhere physically. Now it's like, okay, 
how do I find space in my home when everybody is here all the time, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, there's no, there's no downtime. There's no uh, quiet space for me to get to when you got four kids, two adults in the space. Um, where typically I've done my work and assignments for for my PhD program at the library, right? Or stayed after class and did some of those things. Now I don't have that at my disposal, and so now I'm trying to navigate this new space, and so I'm struggling. Uh, then, you know, thinking about just a piece about anxiety and all that type of stuff that is built up inside of everybody as we are trying to um, make sense of what is actually happening and what's going on. Until we can um, calm that down, that's going to be a difficult thing for many people to try to figure out. So that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. I'll stop there. All right, Trey? Um, for me, so my home is like my peace. Like when I... But I, I'm always trying to get home. When I get home, I'm taking my shoes off. I'm kicking it. And I've never been able to, like, really get stuff done at home. Throughout college, throughout my master's program, um, even when working at school, um, I would always have to either go to a library or do stuff before I got – get my stuff done before I got home. Because when I get home, it's, I'm not going to focus on whatever work I'm going to do. So that's what's been the real tough part for me, uh, especially with, you know, sleep schedules being all messed up. So you got to wake up, um, get on your computer, get stuff done. And, you, you know, you really got to push it. You got to really have that, um, that self-motivation to get the stuff done instead of, you know, being out in your office or in the school or wherever you're at. And then another thing uh, with my job, uh, I work with students and most of my job is motivating students. And it's really hard to motivate without that face-to-face -face contact. And um, so getting these kids to be productive, uh, want to learn, want to get stuff done, it's really hard doing it through email. And that's another thing, email is my biggest pet peeve. I hate communicating through email and that's the biggest communication right now. And uh, sometimes I could have a tough time being organized. And now that I'm doing all my communication through email, I have to make sure I, you know, save it, write it down. So when when that uh, particular conversation comes back up, I know how to answer it and things like that. So those are the things I'm struggling with right now. And then also, um, we, you know, we had a, a couple week break before uh, school started back. So, um, you know, I was spending time with my daughter. I'm still spending time with my daughter, but now that class <clears throat> started back and I got to be on my computer having meetings. Uh, you know, communicate with people. She still want to kick it, and <laughs> it's like right now. Nope, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta get on your iPad or whatever you're doing, and you gotta entertain yourself for a little bit while Daddy, you know, takes care of business. So right now, like, I don't. I mean, it is good to be home, but it's hard for me to be as productive as I as I can. So that's how it is for me. Little shine, you're not working from home, but you um. You still I mean, out there on the front lines. You you worried about that? How uh, feel normal? I mean, sometimes or? it just depends on the day. Cause usually we in the shop just doing what we gotta do. But like last week or the last two weeks, we had to do the salon, and um, that's when we found out they were shutting it down. And he was even contemplating like he was like they're gonna shut us down. Like they're not even gonna be able to open because it's a salon. Mm -hmm. And then you know when they were saying it was shut down, we were thinking they were gonna make the place a better workplace but when we were in there it was a plumber in there an electrician in there so it was like a bunch of people in there you know we just in there with a random bunch of random people anybody could you know what i'm saying it's like 
it was kind of making me like, damn, I ain't trying to work here, but at the end of the day, we still got to get the job done. But it was just still like, you know, I'm not really worried about it because, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm, I don't be around people every day. It's like, I'm literally, it's three, four of us in the shop every day. So it's mm-hmm. not really, like, I'm not even working around people unless we install and shit. So yeah. most of the time, like, that was the only time we really was involved in something where there was a bunch of people in there. But, you know, at the end of the day, I wasn't really worried. I just was, you know, trying to keep my distance. I was wearing a mask in there anyway. So, uh, Mike, you actually, uh, you reminded me of some, a question I had. Um, like, with us teaching our, having to teach our kids from home and everything, obviously, we do what we can, but we we're not teachers. We're not we're not their teachers. Do you think that there's gonna be like a like a learning curve, like a setback for kids going into next year? That's something I was worried about with my daughter. She in pre K right now, so you know they she's getting prepared to transition into kindergarten. Like, do you think do y'all think that'll have like a long term impact on these kids and their educations in the future? You gonna take that first, Marcus, or do you want to respond to it? No, go ahead. You got it. Okay. So, I mean, so you, you asking a really, really good question and a big question, right? Um, as educators right now, even so I'm right now creating a, a PD, a cooperative learning seminar that I'm developing uh, called avoiding marginalization within distance learning, right? Because what we have to be very mindful of is that students that are marginalized throughout our regular school system, can be even further marginalized through an opportunity or, or a situation like this, right? Because we always set up our platforms in education. Well, I'm not, I'm not gonna say always. We typically set up our platforms in education for people who already know how to access the learning, right? Mm-hmm. So there will be some students who may not be accessing the learning like they have been in the past, and there could be some areas where they will need some additional support when they start back up in the fall, right? There will be some students who do very well um, through the distance learning process because they're, um, they have the tools, they have the equipment, they're, you know, and so that's another thing that some of this may not even be based on the student's aptitude, but it may be based on the technology. Do I have the um, technology to log into the system, right? Do I have the Wi-Fi or internet in order to make sure that I can get the distance learning uh, protocols, right? Uh, one thing that I always share with this is that, um, and this will be part of my part of my workshop, is that relationships are so important. And right now, um, educators who have not done a good job of building relationships prior to this happening will see a decline in students accessing their distance learning, right? Because you wasn't connected with me when I saw you every day face to face. Now students have the choice whether to log in or not. They have the choice whether to respond to an email or not. They have the choice to complete the packet or assignment or not without any adult interaction from the school if they so choose, right? But if educators were um, diligent and mindful about building relationships prior to this situation, it will be easier for them to connect with those families and those students to say, hey, I know you may be struggling during this time. Hey, let's figure out how can we get you the resources that you need through this process, right? So that's just, that's just going on the straight academic piece of it. The other avenue that we got to think about is, Kivon, is that maybe nobody is even prepared to learn right now. 
because this is a traumatic experience that we are going through. This has changed our entire way of being, right? You heard me in our first little uh, question and shared about how I'm struggling with uh, the online learning process, right? The kids who have been going to public schools went to public schools for a reason. They went to schools or private schools or charter schools to do face-to-face. -face. They didn't sign up for online classes. We have that program already. They didn't sign up for that. So we may have students who just are not um, comfortable with accessing the learning in that way. So that's going to also be a barrier. So starting out as we come back to school, we as educators got to be mindful and say, okay, how do we do some of that follow-up so that if there are some students who may not have captured everything they needed to capture, we give them some grace period at the start of the year when we are back in full swing um, to learn that stuff that they may have missed or to um, progress. So it just depends on how students are. It's just as us as educators have got to be graceful with the process. So I don't know if I directly answered your question, but I gave you a lot of information to kind of toss around in your mind. You got anything to add to that, Marcus? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you hit on a lot of uh, important uh, topics or whatever in that, but I mean, just obviously there's no no answer to it because you know this is all first time we've gone through all this you know situation. So. There's no answer to, you know, how is this going to affect the kids or how will they be back or coming back into um, school. But I think it's going to just affect us all, just even if the people that's going back to their regular job. You know, some people have been off for, you know, four or five weeks, six weeks, depending on when it's going to be over. And just us, everybody transferring back into life, how is that going to look? Because some of us waking up at one o'clock, some of us is, uh, you know, they don't got to get on the computer for, for their job. Some people just get on the telephone. I know some people that do the um, call stuff or whatever, so they just on the telephone all day. So, I mean, it just, it's it's all like, I think it's no direct answer for this, but I think the best way we can uh, just move through this is just kind of trying to make sure that we stand in touch as much as possible. I mean, it's, we're fortunate that we do have these uh, virtual uh, or video chats that we can do, but it's never going to amount or it's never going to equal to what, you know, that physical face-to-face -face conversation is going to be, but it's good to have stuff platforms like this where we can try to mimic, mimic it as best as we can. So no, no, no direct answer for it, but just trying to make every normalize everything that we're doing as much as possible. Like make sure that we try to bring it back to how we originally uh, communicated or whatever we was doing beforehand. That's why I try to be the same. I'm, I'm teaching my class or whatever from online. And I'm trying to be the same kind of goofy dude that I am in real life. It's a little different online because you don't know how I'm saying it or, but that's, I'm trying to make it as normal as possible. So that's all we can do to try to make it as normal as possible. All right. Anybody else want to touch on that? Trey? Hey man, what you cooking over there, dog? Fettuccine <laughs> shrimp Alfredo. Oh man, they should have invited me over. Oh, too bad I can't come over there, man. Dang. Send me something in one of those uh Uber or Lyfts or whatever it is, Grubhub or something down the thing. Grubhub or she start that business. Did right? To, did you want to touch on any of that tray or are you good? No, nah, I didn't I didn't I didn't really hear the question. What was the question now? Uh, basically we just said that we think there's gonna be like a learning curve like for kids oh, to get over in the future. I mean, just moving into next year or even grades beyond that, just because technically they didn't get that full years of education for this year? Well, in traditional school terms, yeah, it definitely will. But I think 
we our kids will learn other valuable lessons like you know what i mean like that that they wouldn't necessarily learn in school like they're probably going to be taking more responsibility around the house and things like that which is also important but in the way we do traditional school we kind of we kind of don't focus on that type of stuff and that type of stuff is important and you know as a human race i just feel like we're we always adapt so yes in the traditional sense of school it'll be a curve but um but like i said we will we'll adapt to it and i think it, you know things will even itself out so we'll be fine our kids they might fine. be a little more disciplined yeah, going in like they might have missed that learning but might be more disciplined because they had all these months to yep. force themselves to get up and but now when you got somebody making you do it it's probably gonna be even easier so, yeah closer yeah. time with their friends and with their that. family and parents and things like that so building better bonds and yeah, like I said, we, we'll just learn different ways. Like, take, I mean, we're not going through no apocalypse right now, but you will learn some, our kids learn survival skills. You know what I mean? It'll be more self-sufficient in certain ways. So, right. um, so yeah, so traditional school, yes, yeah, some learning curves, but I think we'll, find, we'll be fine. All right. Um, switch gears here a little bit. Um, we had some stuff go on in the sports world today. Uh, Anybody want to touch on that? Tavares Jackson, Big Cat. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can start off um, just with the Tavares Jackson situation being that that was like just a, you know, uh, random event that happened. It wasn't like what we expected. Like, I was waiting to hear that something happened with the coronavirus, but the fact that he was into a car accident. But, you know, then again, that could have played a role because, I mean, I'm not trying to – you know, uh, create no story or nothing, but, you know, if it's a, uh, fatal accident and it said, I think they said that it was no other cars involved, right? Am I correct? That's what I read, I believe, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, so a lot of times, you know, maybe drugs or liquor involved and that could be because of us being trapped in the house or trapped in, you know, not being able to go outside. So people just trying to do as much as they can to pass time. So, you know, drugs or alcohol could be involved. So I, I hope that's not the case. But um, that just shows you how this could, I mean, if that is the case, that shows you how, like, this quarantine or whatever, this situation could be um, affecting us in other ways more than just the actual virus itself. You know, like, it's putting some people in a position where they can't, they, you know, they miserable in their house. Some people is, you know, they don't know how to just stay in the house or chill. So, you know, it's unfortunate that that had to happen to him. And he's young. Like I say, he's around my age. So, you know, that's a scary thing to think about in. Just the whole damn 2020 be crazy though, but yeah, I'm I'm done though. That's and another thing with that, like what you said, as far as you know, it was an accident, a car accident, so it technically doesn't have anything to do with coronavirus. But what type of medical attention did he get? You know, maybe the hospitals is flooded with they right. trying to keep the coronavirus at bay or things like that. Maybe he didn't get the proper medical attention that he he needed in that time because you know that's that's basically the main reason you know we're in the house. Is um, you know, so everybody doesn't get this virus and overflood the emergency rooms and things like that. So doctors aren't picking and choosing who they who right. they treat and things like that. So that could possibly, like you said, not trying to start no drama, but we don't know. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Then we had uh, there's two uh, Minnesota. Or one's a current player. Tavares Jackson was a previous. Uh, Player Big Cat lost his mom today due to coronavirus. So, but at real, one, man, I'm just saying uh, one thing is 
when people are like dying recently, they are saying it's from the coronavirus, but some of these people having like, you know, other problems with the, you know, other health problems, and then they're just contributing it to fucking coronavirus. So, I mean, it's weird, but I don't know. It's just, it's, it's going at people that are with a weak immune system. So it's like, it's not really like the coronavirus is probably, you know what I mean? What if it's really like her heart or what if she was having a heart attack or something, but they're just saying the media is just going to say everything is from the coronavirus. Well, I don't think, well, I don't know for sure, but I think that, uh, I mean, obviously is that the coronavirus with people with a weak immune system, they can't handle the coronavirus. So while it is the coronavirus, it also is the fact that the immune system ain't that strong. So I don't know if his mom had any health related issues or anything, but I don't know how old she is. I mean, he's fairly young, so I wouldn't. He probably ain't no older than like 55, 50. I don't know, but I mean, I just feel like, yeah, on one end, it's like, yeah, that, 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 um, it could be other health conditions, but I think the coronavirus is something that's so strong that if you got any weakness in your immune system, that shit can attack it and you can be gone. So, you know, it's just something to think about. It's something we got to think about with our parents and family, making sure we stay away. Even though we feel great and we feeling like we cool, we don't know what we could be bringing to them. So we just got to, even a kid, like, you know, it's tough because, like, you know, certain people want to see their grandbabies or their own kids, and they it's probably not a good idea for them to be around them because kids carry around stuff all day that they don't know about because they're healthy and strong and they got strong immune systems. And, you know, you could be bringing something in the house that, you wouldn't think would be affecting nobody, but them being older or having weak immune system that can affect them. Trey, you wanted to touch on that? Yeah, uh, with the with the cat's mom, that's the that's the main like you know that's the main thing I think about. Like, I want to be around our parents. Like, you know, our father's birthday was the other day, and we went to go visit him and stuff. It's like, but it makes me think like we probably shouldn't be doing that shit. Like. I go to this, so I have to go to Walmart to get this water because the, the cub water don't do it for me. So I got to get the water from Walmart. Walmart, if I'm going to get coronavirus, it's going to be because of one of them damn Walmart trips. And I just think about that. You know, I want to be around mom and daddy, but it's like, damn, I probably shouldn't. You know what I'm saying? And I probably shouldn't bring my daughter around her. Uh, kids, even though they'll be immune or, you know, they, they got a little good immune systems. She could be carrying something that we don't know about, you know what I'm saying? And I just feel like we should probably try to hold off for a couple more weeks, you know, with being around our parents and things like that. But it's hard to tell them no. Uh, my dad wanted to come over and have a drink uh, the other day. <laughs> I, I can't tell him no, you know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just a tough, or tough, a tough situation. And I'll just add because. You know, it's just the part that people are trying to figure out, like, how do I deal with this? I'm so used to being around people, right? And and especially as as um, elders, some of them are living by themselves, right? So now they have nobody in the house with them. And so who do I look to turn to? It's got to be my kids. It got to be my grandkids. So how do I still get that human contact? And, you know, um, Trey, as you was over there, when you was grilling or whatever, you saw that I kind of stayed away. Um, I didn't come close to Bob. I didn't give him a hug or anything. Um, I said happy birthday and stayed, but I didn't want to get too close because, again, I'm trying to be mindful of what I could be possibly carrying because they're a little bit older, right? So I know my immune system might be able to deal with it um, better than theirs, so I just got to be mindful of that. And so I just kind of stayed back and stayed away. I'm trying to be mindful. 
Um, but it is hard. And that's what people are dealing with every single day, trying to figure out what's the right thing to do, what isn't. Um, but we got to give up some of these um, luxuries or things that we've been typically doing in order to make sure that everybody else can be uh, safe and, 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 and healthy. You know what I mean? So it's kind of hard to think about it. Um, but that's why we got these Zooms and hopefully we can take advantage of these. It's not the same, but it does. Like I'll say that other night that we was all on Zoom, it gave me a boost. I mean, I ain't stayed up to four o'clock in the morning and I don't know how long, but all of us got on there. Then more cousins came on and our auntie came on. It made it cool to just hang out and chill and talk and hear what people were saying. Uh, whether I had a whole lot to offer or not, just to be in the presence of everybody was cool that we haven't done in a while. So um, that's why I think it's it's more physical distance than social distance because we can still connect and we got to be intentional about that shit. Hold on, just a little preview. My bad. That could be another thing. Might I hear need, might need some more shrimp. That boy got two shrimp in there, man. Who you feeding, Marcus? Simone? Solo? Boy got two damn shrimp. You better go to Walmart, G. <laughs> right, right. At Walmart, Walmart trip don't sound too bad now. <laughs> but I was thinking when he said about Walmart, why don't you just grab six gallons or whatever you need before it don't be going back so many times, just grab as much as you can. That's Unless they got a limit. No, I, that's what I did. I just had, what, four of them. And it's only me and Uncle Dave, but they last for about two weeks. And I had to go refill shit. Nah, I'm just saying, just grab as many as you can so you don't got to go back there so so often. Cause yeah, that's I sucks. That. I don't got that north side water, man. I know, for real. The north side will save me right out of that north side water. Man, this north side water right here. That shit fine. Um, anybody got anybody hey, no, got a another thing with the corona, like I hear y'all saying we well, all gotta stay away from like the people and shit. That's why like when I be at work, I we we gotta be working with other companies and shit like that, electricians and plumbers and shit. I don't know none of these people, so it's like they don't know me either. I could have a corona, but it's like I don't know. I don't that's why I be on I don't know what's essential because the place we just finished not even about to open. It's a hair salon, they're not even about to open. So it's just, and we still work. We, we're doing another apartment right now, like at the U of M campus. It's like autumn. And when he first told me, it, it, and that's the thing to go back from the other night when we were talking about like the Chinese virus or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like the apartments we'd be working on, it's at the U of M campus, but it's mainly Asians there. So like just off a of rip, because I'm going back to what we were talking about the other night. When I did hear we were going to do that, I was like, did they, you know what I'm saying? Because it's a bunch of Asians. So it was kind of like, it ain't racist when Trump say say that because when when I first heard we were going to his apartment, I was like, "Damn, did they check it out?" And it was like, "Yeah, we called." You know, none of these people left the country, all that shit, blah blah. blah. But I'm like, "Shit, they can still get shit sent from China." So that was my first thought. You know what I mean? But we that's all, why just going back to Saturday. So what Trump China. said that wasn't racist. Chinese virus ain't racist. Well, okay, what you said, little shot. I don't think because they came out of China or whatever. I don't think him saying it was racist. But by him saying it, it got you thinking. Now, when you got to come across an Asian person, or maybe you an ignorant motherfucker, and you come across an Asian person, you talking crazy to him, stay away from me, or doing other ignorant stuff. So that's what his words incite. Even even though he's not wrong, when you're the leader, you got to be careful and mindful what you're saying. and what, I, what think, I think that was very racist, though, what he said. Calling it the Chinese virus, I, 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 I think that was wrong. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't think that's that's you can't do that, G. Not as a president. I mean, I if get it, wanna, but I mean, if I you're a regular dude, oh, oh, my bad. Oh, oh, my bad. I was cutting you off. Oh, oh no, but if you're a regular dude, I get it that way. Like, but you the you the leader of the free world, damn it. Like, you ain't supposed to be saying shit like that and inciting. Like you said, that's 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 terrible for a president to say that. Now, if Johnny Earl on 26th and Logan say that, yeah, whatever. But you can't be the president of the United States and using that type of stuff, using that type of language. Go ahead, keep on. I'm doing. I was. Uh, I thought you were talking about what what Lil Sean said about how he he went to like knowing that there was going to be a lot of Asian people at that apartment complex that made that him too, second guess. That too. Yeah. I definitely. Um, I mean, I can understand why you have why you would have that like that subconscious, whatever feeling or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I mean, it's, it's not, right. it's just that's, dope, how, like, that's why a lot of, that's how, and that's my point about when I, when I touch on a lot of stuff with the, us, the black community, when I, it's not like I'm being an uncle Tom or whatever y'all say. Uh, I think about stuff like that and how easy it is for us to, like, I can guarantee little Sean ain't walking around. Like if he was in a position of power and an Asian dude came to interview at his job, he's not for the, hold nothing against that person because he's Asian, but he still had a, a some sort of bias in his mind just off of something little like this virus. So imagine the, imagine some of the people out there that, that have had four or 500 years of bad information about black people fed into them. Is that, are they like, are they being like racist intentionally or is it something as not innocent, but as, Right. Whatever, yeah. way, whatever you would call what right. Lil Sean just kind of did. That's cold. That's cold. So, that, so that's why. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Been trying to have a, uh, that's why I've just been trying to have a different perspective. Like, man, how much is it really people are being intentionally racist? And how much of it is, well, I can't even, I don't know what the word is. Um, collateral damage from a lot of the other societal, you know, yeah, just stuff that's going on. Where we, yeah. uh, where we all kind of have these biases put in our mind, but Mike. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, I'm, I'm. You know, I do a workshop on that implicit and unconscious bias, and that's what you guys are talking about. And what happened with um, Lil Sean is that it's what they do for black folks. The messaging, the messaging, always negative messaging about who black folks are, and so now it creates a unconscious bias that everybody starts to have. So the messed up part about it is even black folks have it, right? So it's not just white people who may have an unconscious bias um, that's negative towards black folks. Black folks may also have an unconscious bias that's negative towards black folks because of the society that we've been built in and raised in is that it is conditioning us that black is bad. Think about how often they show black on TV doing the negative stuff, right? So if you're not intentionally trying to change your mind right, trying to change your implicit association by trying to find the positive in it, you're going to revert to what society has taught us about black folks, right? And so that's what Trump, with that statement, has done with the Chinese people when he said that's a China virus, whatever word he used, right? So now people got this bias saying, uh-oh, I ain't messing with them. Mm -hmm. I ain't messing with them, right? Wow. And now you get to say that long enough, and then stuff becomes part of the collective unconscious, right? So now we may not even know where it originated from, but now we all have this bias against Chinese people. For years to come, that we just pass down to our siblings and our children and our nieces and nephews by making certain different comments, right? And it all stemmed from what 
Trump has stated, but we may not, we have forgot that that's what he stated, but it just keeps being embedded and, and, feel, and fueled, right? That's what has happened to the black community in our society is that those negative messages have been keep being perpetuated, perpetuated. And now we got some of these narratives that are so fucking false, but everybody is believing them and they treat us like that, right? And so that's where Marcus is talking about is that you gotta be mindful about what words you choose, how you use them, and especially your position. So if you're using those words as the president of the U.S., yeah, you're creating something in people's minds and people's thoughts. And that's going to inadvertently do something to other folks. I mean, like Sean just said, it made him look differently at what was going on. Now, the good thing about it is, Sean, is that you didn't necessarily act upon it, right? Yeah. You got your antennas up, which is, which is I'm not going to ever disagree with somebody because, you know what? Same thing. When I walked down the street sometimes when I was younger and I saw a group of black dudes, I'd be like, uh-oh, what the hell's going on? My antenna go, my antenna went up, right? But now, did I am I able to regulate that and calm down a little bit and say, hold on, man. Them just brothers just like you, Walker. Ain't no need to treat them any different. Ain't no need to be scared or worried about them. That's where the learning come in. That's where we got to change our implicit association by trying to find positive things. And now when I saw that, oh, he was cool. Now the next time I come across that situation, now my body don't react in a certain way or my antennas don't go up. And that's a lot of work. That's a lot of self-work, a lot of self-reflection. And are people willing to do that work is the big question. That actually, uh, that reminds me of this. Um, my daughter was going to this church camp and um, she came home saying like, oh, they said if if you sin, the, whoever the lady is at the camp said, if you sin, then your heart will be, will be black. And I didn't even like that. Because for one, it was in a predominantly well-off white community where the church was. And I was like, I was telling her mom, like, you see how they're already like programming in their minds to correlate the color black with bad and little stuff like that. I just, I caught on to that. So I definitely could see how just little, little comments or whatever could create an entire thought process around a certain thing. So. Definitely got to be mindful and careful with what we say and how we articulate. Yeah, it, stuff. it's bad now, man, because you see a bunch of videos and stuff online of, like, just dumbass people yelling at Chinese people, like, just blah, blah, just going off on them. Like, a random Chinese dude will be walking, and they all just run up on them and go crazy. So it's like, that type of shit is happening. Like, it's just, and that's, I, that's, just, that's what's been happening to us forever, so. That's why with some of the our other conversations that we've had, why it sounds like I'm, I'm like giving a pass or trying to say let's forget about what they did. It's just been more of me realizing how I am. Like I know if I'm in traffic, if, if I'm in traffic and you cut me off, I'm calling you what your racist name is in the car. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you that. But I'm in traffic. I'm mad. I'm just talking stuff. So I'm like, so I tell myself like, what if a lot of people are just that's where their racism stops or whatever you want to call it is they so I know you can't it's a little deeper than that but I just been trying to put myself in in like be more not more accountable but just see just be more empathetic I guess you could say like put myself in people's try to see how they might be looking at it maybe I'm giving them a pass maybe I'm giving them a pass they don't deserve or shouldn't have but that's kind of where my thought process has been has been coming from on a lot of this stuff debates and uh discussions we've had but this going this going this probably going and it's probably gonna make you feel a little different uh kivon so just think about this for a second um 
I don't believe, so this may not be true for you, I don't believe that black folks can be racist. I, we, can be, we can be prejudiced, we can be prejudiced, but we cannot be racist. And the reason why I we can't be too. racist, because racism really talks about an institution that is behind your prejudice, right? Mm -hmm. So if I can be prejudiced and then I got an institution that can also back me up, that's how you become racist. And this is a white institution, a white establishment our country is set up based on. And so that's why white folks are racist and black folks can't be racist in this setting, in this space, right? Yeah. And so I just want to be mindful of us using the term racist because we, we yeah, in, my mind, in my mind, we can't be racist. Now, there may be some other folks who say, no, yes, you can't be racist. I'm just saying what my belief is. And I just want to give you a quick little understanding of why I don't believe that we can be racist because we don't have the institutional power behind us to um, make sure that our prejudices are dealt, are felt. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I've said that like um, a lot of, cause they, that's what they hate when we say that, but I agree with it. Cause I mean, they think about it, how many, how many, or even us, how, if we want to go get a loan from the bank, if we want to pretty much do anything not like that's go benefit our lives in a good way. If you go have to go through a, a white person to get it nine times out of 10, that's why it matters what they think about you. That's why I met. So I get that. And you can go, you can call a white person a cracker or whatever, and they won't affect them. And it's not because they, it's just because they don't care because they know they don't really need to go through us to get anything that they need. So I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Anybody want to touch on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I obviously agree with it. I don't believe black people could be racist. I feel like, um, you know, and honestly, I kind of, I don't, I don't, like, I don't preach that to people because I know that can be like, you know, touchy for a certain, especially for yeah. different races. So I, I don't really preach that to them, but I do kind of, you know, I, I let them know where I stand and I, I let them know that I don't give a fuck if they know where I stand or not. Like, you know, or I'm not changing that but i'm not trying to convince them that that's what it is if that mm -hmm. makes sense so but yeah i agree black people can't be racist we don't got enough i mean oh my bad go ahead go ahead you good you good i'm gonna start doing the clan thing but i was gonna say i know we can't be racist but like do you ever get a feeling like black folks don't be fucking with other black folks like what do you call that just that's what mike was saying that earlier, that's, called, like, that's called internalized racism brother and is that okay because some people think that's okay no, it's not okay. It's it's terrible. That's what that's what he was saying earlier. Like we've all kind of become victim to these stereotypes and narratives that's been pushed out about black people. So, and that's why I say like like yeah, there's these institutions, but how much does the common everyday white person or whoever have an impact on that? Like now, it's got like, it's been so ingrained into American culture that now they're just just as much as a, as a unintentional part of it as we are type of thing, you know? That's why I keep saying uh, when we were talking the other day, Coop, is that we have to talk about it. We have to make them aware of it because if we don't make them aware of their unconscious biases against us or against other brown people, then they get to live in this comfortable world that perpetuates them always being in a position of privilege and all and us always being in a position of oppressed right so i'm not gonna let you sit in your comfortable space and not hear about what your people has done to my people and how that has set you up to be in the position that you're in where you don't gotta deal with or worry about the things that i have to worry about as a black man when i walk outside my house 
right? That's you know, we talked about being pulled over by the police officer and you said you don't got that worry. I'm glad that you don't got that worry. I do. I do too. I do, I do have that worry and I'm legit. Me too. And I'm legit and I got that worry. Um, because I just give, I'll just give a quick little story. I was walking outside my mom's house on the north side, picking up my babies up from, uh, from her after school one day. I had on my suit with my bow tie coming from work. Boom, boom, boom. Two, un, uh, two police officers in an unmarked car run up on me as I'm buckling my daughter up in a car seat saying, hey, we looking for you. I'm like, looking for who? Because I didn't even know they were police officers at first. They had just like black coats on. They just ran up on me while I'm in, the, in my doorway, right? And they're like, yeah, we're looking for you. You such and such. I'm like, no, nah, that ain't who I am. Where you come from? I said, I just came out of my mom's house right there. No, you didn't. Your name is Dada. I'm like, no, nah, that's not my name. My name is Michael. And I showed them my work badge, right? So I showed them my work badge. They got, they just snapped it off of me. And then they, you know, said some stuff. Woody, woody, woo. Then they went on, went on about their way after they figured out that I wasn't the, the guy, right? But what I said is that, so I had my four kids in the car with me. Mm-hmm. Y'all didn't say hey, man, I apologize that you were looking for the wrong guy. Because I'm cool with y'all trying to get the bad guy. Like, I, I want my community safe. So, hell yeah, get the bad guy. But once you found out that I wasn't the bad guy, all you had to do was take two seconds, maybe 15, 20 seconds, say, hey, my bad. You know what? We got the wrong guy. Hey, y'all, y'all dad is cool. Ain't nothing going on, right? But now they have put a bias in my baby's head to not like the police officers, Right. So now, Kevon, what we talked about the other day, why would my kids want to go be a police officer when they saw what the police officer did to their dad who wasn't doing anything but picking him up and carrying him into the car, buckling him up, and now they harassed me and, and went, at, went at me like that. That changes, and that stays in people's minds saying, I ain't trying to be in that profession. So that's why. So how do we change those things is that the police officers now got to treat us differently if they want to recruit. I talk about an education all the time. If we want to recruit more black teachers, more teachers of color, we have the perfect opportunity. We got to treat them different when they become kindergartners in our, in our school system. If we continuously to kick kids out, suspend them, right? Place them in special education, the black ones, right? The black kids. And then we expect them to want to come into the profession and teach. Why would they? They had a horrible experience for 13 years. Only an idiot would go back and work in that space that I had a horrible experience in. If you if you think irrationally, you know what I mean. That's why I think that's why I say I saw your hand, Lil Sean. I just want to respond real quick. That's why I say like, what if all right? What if their intention that all right, we don't want them to become teachers, so we're going to continue to treat them bad or whatever? Isn't it kind of on us to decide that we, regardless of how they treated us, we want to be put in those positions so that we can treat people that look like us better than they were treating us when they were in those positions. Cause that's why I keep saying like, why do we wait on them to not give us permission, but you know, to change their thinking instead of just figuring out how we can get into these positions that we feel like we've been victimized by. So here you keep, I'm not disagreeing with that, but you are asking a uh, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 year old to make a 40 year old decision at seven, eight, their brains are not even fully right. developed to be able to make that type of decision. All they can go by is what they have fully developed is their amygdala, which is the fear center of the brain, right? The emotional center of the brain. So they just working off emotion. That don't make me feel good. So I'm not going to go into that space, right? So while I agree with you that we do need to step up and try to get some of these um, these jobs to change the outcomes for our, for our black and brown babies, but it is a difficult task when you've been treated a certain way. It, it almost is inevitable that you don't want to be in that space. That's kind of how we deal with trauma. 
If you've been, if you've ever been traumatized about something, you try to avoid that space at all costs. That's one way we try to deal with our trauma. I ain't going there no more. Man, that's where a dude tried to rob me at. I ain't going to that bar no more, right? Dude ain't never there no more, but I ain't going to that. I ain't going down that block no more. I'm going to walk around the block. I avoid it. And so that's what our kids do. They got out of the school system. They avoid it. I ain't going back to teaching that system. Hell no. Then you have a few of us who say, you know what, I'm going to give it a try and try to change it So because I know how bad it was for me. But that ain't going to be the masses. It's not going to be the masses that's doing that. Little Sean? I mean, I was just going to tell a story about when I got pulled over. Tell it. I want to hear it. I mean, I was – uh, it was like last year. I was um, I was on the way to the T-Wolves game. I was with, uh, like, two other homies. And, um, like, I don't smoke in my car, but we smoked at the house. And then we was going on to the game. So, whatever. We're driving down Penn. And um, for some reason, like, I saw right by – we were passing Harrison, I think. And for some reason, I just saw the cop. Like, I saw the undercover. And um, I, I wasn't speeding or nothing. I was just whatever. I was just cruising down Penn. And then I was about to turn on um, Ulster Memorial Highway. And just for some reason, I seen him on the side of my, you know, I'm like, all right, that's a cover. I'm like, he about to turn. He turned. So, like, whatever. I'm, I, you know, I'm driving. I hit the left or whatever. Turn right on um, Ocean Memorial. Boom, he hit his lights right there. So, he's pulling me over or whatever. And um, he comes to the window. And then first thing he says is, uh, how, what's wrong or how dark is your tent? I'm like, man, I just bought this car. And then he's like, uh, he's like, it smells like weed in the car. I'm like, I don't have any weed in the car. I just smoked at home. I'm on the way to the Timberwolves game. <laughs> um, so he's just like, he's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to have you step out the car. But like, mind you, he didn't ask me for my license or registration. He asked me if I had insurance on my car or nothing. So he's pulling me out the car. And I'm like, yo, yo, officer, like, I have my permit. Like, I have my permit to carry, blah, blah, blah. And, like, he's already getting all, you know, he's all skeptical and stuff. Like, he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. He's like, stay right there, stay right there. I'm like, yo, like, it's in my wallet, it's in my wallet. He's like, you can get your wallet. So I grab my wallet. And he's, you know, he has his light on me or whatever. His partner's at the other window. I have, uh, like, my homie in the front seat and another dude in the back seat or whatever. So, like, I'm getting out the car. And um, he's like, yeah, so where's it at? I'm like, it's in my jacket pocket. He grabs the gun or whatever. He's like, oh, it's loaded, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I have my, I have my, you know, I'm, and I'm trying to tell him, like, it's in my wallet, it's in my wallet. And then, you know, he grabs it. So he's like, all right, whatever, we look at it. But, like, the whole time he's detaining me. So, like, he's he's putting me in cuff. He got us all out the car. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, I'm legal. Like, I don't have any weed in my car. Like, he's like, well, we're just going to detain you for now, put you in the back of the car. I'm like, but I didn't, like, I have my permit right there, bro. Like, look at it. He's not looking at it yet. Like, so he's cuffed me. I'm like, why are you cuffing me? I can't just get in the car. Like, I can't just sit in there. He cuffed me up. I'm in the back of the police car. Are you froze? Literally, damn, I'm in the back of the police car for literally an hour. Mind you, I said I'm on the way to Timberwolves game. So T-Wolves game started at 7. This is probably like I get pulled over at 6.45. So whole time I'm in the car, I'm in the back of the police car. They're searching my car because I didn't even tell you three more cops pulled up. And I'm right on I'm right on Olsen Memorial Highway. Y'all know, like, right by the bus stop, right on Olsen Memorial. I'm right there. So, like, three more cops pull up, one on the grass, one behind us, one on the other side. All of them out the car. They all running through my car searching it. And I'm just, like, I'm, I'm kind of confused with what's going on because when I took my class, or the guy said, you know, it's on my it's on my license and shit. So, when, I, when they pull my name up, it would say I have my, you know, my permit. My, it would, you know what I mean? It, it would have my information. So none of that shit happened. Like I followed all the rules for when it, you know, for for when I get pulled over or whatever. I wasn't supposed to get put in the back of the police car. So whole time he has my my he has my card. And he's telling me, 
that like they can't figure out like they can't figure out my 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 code like I'm giving them my my permit card and they're telling me it's fake like he's trying to say it's fake like I'm literally in the back of the police car while he's calling he called the state he called the he called about three four people trying to see if my if my fucking if my uh permit to my uh permit to conceal and carry was real I've never heard of anybody having a fake permit or conceal and carry card like I don't know anybody dumb enough to do that. So whole time I'm in the back of the police car, an hour later, they finally talk to somebody who pulls up my information and says that I'm good to go. And they finally let us out the car, and he's trying to make conversation with me, like, oh, who are you going to watch? Who's playing tonight and shit like that? And I'm like, whatever, whatever. And he goes, oh, thank you for being cooperative. And I'm like, I just remember saying, like, yo, man, I'm just trying to go home. Like, because when they were pulling up on me, it's like an army. Like, I didn't do nothing wrong. He didn't ask me for my insurance. Only thing he said was, how dark is your tent? I said, I just bought the car. And I literally just bought the car. But it was just, it was all crazy. Like I said, they put, they had their guns out on us. Like, and I didn't, they didn't have it. They, they destroyed my car. They pulled, they pulled all the, the, the fucking sockets out. They pulled the radio things out. They pulled all my seats out. And they didn't put nothing back. They just left my car destroyed. They looking for weed or something? Yeah. <laughs> and I told him, I'm like, I don't have to leave my car. They destroyed everything. Like, and then he thought my permit, my conceal and carry car, he thought it was fake. Well, you're lucky they ain't take you to jail because you, from what I heard I you saying your story, my car. but you said you agreed that you were smoking, so you can't really be having your conceal and carry when you're under yeah. the influence of nothing. Yeah. Right, they well, that. I, said, I said we smoked at the house, but we didn't smoke but in my car. I didn't say I smoked. You was under the influence, though. And, and your conceal and carry, you can't be under the influence with a conceal and carry. You can't have been, been if drank or smoked with that. That's against, yeah. the, I'm just telling you, that's against the rules. So you, he gave you a pass on that one. And it was yeah, no so once you, if, even if you get a little sack on you and you carry your gun. But like, I didn't have you, any fun, I, I know, I'm just, saying, I'm just saying, I, just for future reference, that that wipes it away. Like, once you got an illegal substance on you, your firearm becomes illegal, so. No, I know, but I'm telling y'all, like, I know this. I don't smoke I know. car. But listen, though, listen, Lil Sean, Lil Sean, what you're not hearing is that you admitted to the police officer that you smoked at home before. That's why so you didn't want to have any weed on so the car. You told you under the influence. It wasn't like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me admitting him. I'm just saying we didn't smoke in my car. I'm saying yeah, you said yeah, it smelled like weed. I'm saying we didn't smoke in my car, like. Oh, I thought I, said, I heard you say. Well, I thought I heard you say is that we smoked the, at home. So that's cool. Thing, I just don't... The first thing that happened, he pulled me out the car like five minutes later. Like once he pulled me out the car, I said, "Hey, I have my permit." It wasn't nothing. It wasn't nothing about like I wasn't high or nothing like that. It was just like they hey, put I'm me in cuffs. Hey, hey, look, Sean, I'm not trying to argue with you. All I'm doing by is what you told us in the story. So I just want you to be clear that you cannot be under the influence of drugs or alcohol and still have your and have your gun with you whether you did it at home or anywhere you can't be under the influence that's part of the the rules of having that i hear you but i'm telling you i didn't admit to the cop that i smoked at home i just said we didn't smoke in my car there's no smoking in my car he said that's all i'm telling you i didn't say i was smoked that i didn't say officer i smoked at home that's what you said when you were telling the story though you said you said he said it smells like weed and you said i smoked at home that's what you said in the story. That's, that's, what that's what why I'm saying. That's why I'm saying that. He don't know. No, yeah. He don't know no better. <laughs> it was a while ago. Yeah. I, I, guess what, hey, guess what, little Sean? Hey, ain't no love lost, homie. Ain't no love lost, King. No love lost, <laughs> that's King. Good, that's good. Cause I was getting pissed. But, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, should we wrap wrap this up? Yeah. We anybody got, got any? Anybody got any? 
Hey, make Trey do a final thought first since he's been over there cooking the little weak-ass shrimp. Where's he at? He left again. I think he went downstairs. Uh, nah, there you go. Uh, Trey, you're on, you're on mute. Oh. Hit us, with a, hit us with a jewel of the day. Um, basically, this uh, pandemic is forcing us to, you know what I mean, focus on new things and uh, adjust to new things. And hopefully, like we said the other day, hopefully we get some, some uh, well, much needed changes as far as slowing down as a society, uh, spending time with our family, uh, doing stuff like not, you know, not necessarily traveling and being busy a hundred, going a hundred miles a minute a day. All right. Um, Cause this is all stuff that we feel like that the, that America feels like we can't do. And I feel like we're doing it now. So hopefully those, those lead to changes in how our work schedules are and how we, you know, how we commit our time to today. Um, and yeah, that's, that's all I got. Anybody else? Got a final thought? Um, I'll, I'll say that, um, you know, uh, even though um, it's, we, we don't have that physical contact with one another, so uh, try to make it a, a, a emphasis on uh, like still contacting people. So uh, what I did, uh, me and my uh, college teammates, football teammates, some of them I ain't talked to, like had a real conversation with since we left college. You know, I might have hit them up on Facebook, happy birthday type stuff, but it ain't really been a real conversation. So some of me and my college teammates, we hopped on this and, you know, we was just chopping it up for about two or three hours. So this is a good opportunity for all of us to reach out to people that we don't really talk to, but it still ain't no beef with them. You know what I mean? Because some people, we don't know where we left off at. It's just like, damn, I ain't talked to this motherfucker in three years. So this would be a, yeah, exactly. This would be a good opportunity to just go through your Facebook or your phone and just be like, let me hit that, that person up and see how they doing or let them know I'm thinking about them or making sure that they're good. Just little stuff like that, I think, is important while we got a little bit of extra time on our hands. A little bit. We got a lot of bit of extra time. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, I think this whole situation teaches everybody to, like, the, the country to be prepared, be more prepared. Anything can happen. Y'all muted right now? No, we can hear uh, Be prepared. Um like we had the pandemic, uh, what was it? The pandemic preparation or response team, Trump canceled it. A lot of, like we were saying, we were talking the other day, a lot of them socialist uh, policies are starting to make a lot of sense right now. Like with the UBI, the universal basic income, a lot of people are worried about Medicare, healthcare. So I just think, there's a lesson for everybody to just be prepared. You never know what can happen. The most unexpected can take place at any given moment. And you don't want to be caught off guard. Anybody else got it? Yeah, you got, go ahead, LaShawn. I mean, I'm still working, so like shit ain't really changing for me, man. I don't like I understand y'all gotta work at home and shit, but like I still gotta wake up and go work. And, but shit changing around you. I mean, I guess, but I literally like you can't go to the club. <laughs> I mean, I, should I ain't been doing nothing? No way. I've been in the crib these last few months anyway. It's just like it's just like the same thing. I go to work, but my job is I go to a shop. Like my shop is on Washington, right next to Burger King. Like 
five minutes from the house. So it's like, it ain't really, it's like a, it's my homie's dad's shop. So we get like three, three, four breaks. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's not really, a, it's a job. Don't get me wrong. But you know what I mean? We got a little bit of leeway. Yeah, I feel you. You know, so, it, you know, it's just like, it's only us, it's three of us in the, sh- four of us in the shop. You know what I mean? It's it's just like, so, you know. A long leash. I'm still, I'm still trying to, you know what I mean? I still stay away from people like, you know, I got to go to the gas station and all that, you know, but it's really just home and back, home and back. You know, um, <laughs> my grandma's still here and shit like that. And she was actually just, she was down south with my uncle for a while and they ended up having to kick her out because they wouldn't let her stay in the hospital. Mm. Up, so she ended up coming back home, but she was down south, and you know what I mean. So that's how you know. But oh, you've been in, you've been over North Dolo. Uh, well, she, it was uh, she, she had got back like a couple weeks ago, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, but other than that, it's just you know, I she don't be playing that shit though. So she, she, she's real serious about it. She know the deal. So, but other than that, man, it's just keep it pushing. And everybody's going to hit on it in some form or fashion, though. But I think this is a good opportunity for the world to kind of take a, a pause and reset, right? And, you know, Marcus, uh, Trey, you hit it on it, Kevon, Lil Sean hit on it, about just being mindful about what can, uh, what can we do to come out of this differently, but it's going to be better for our whole society, right? Like you said, the universal um, income. You know, Marcus talked about reconnecting with friends that we haven't connected with. Uh, Trey talked about just being mindful of of how we approach the new world and, and what, what can we do. And so um, we got to take this time to look at those different options and put those options on the table and see how we can best benefit um, our, our whole society and not look at each other as, as, um, as always in competition, right? You know what I'm saying? So how do we make sure that everybody is getting their, their just due, being able to take care of themselves, take care of their families, because at the end of the day, we all human, right? We all got basic needs that we want. And so how do we make sure that everybody get those basic needs um, met? So yeah, that's kind of my final thought. I want to see culinary excellence. Is that, is that oh, yeah, something that's how we'll close yeah, the show. Close it, out, see, close it out with the end, with the end we'll of the meal. Hey, excuse the paper plate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, you got to get closer. The resolution is... Uh... <laughs> Right, y'all see the boy got that Android. You, you Man, got like, hey, I don't see no damn shrimp. Where the shrimp at, dog? <laughs> in there. I guess they, I guess they shrimp. So you got two hey, in there. You got chicken? No, it's just shrimping. Just shrimp. Shrimp uh, is hey. trash. Smells. Don't be no shrimp, dog. Don't be hating no shrimp. I hate shrimp. I'm allergic now, to it. I'm allergic to it now. But, all right, well, this has been a no love, lost, King's cast. <laughs> we appreciate uh. <laughs> We appreciate y'all tuning in. Hey man, we'll hey, do that over, man. You you said you sounded like you had Tourette. You was pausing. This is no. I can remember the whole thing. I couldn't remember the king. I'm about to say God cast. <laughs> uh, I forgot what I said. Uh, thank y'all for tuning in to the No Love Lost King cast. We appreciate y'all support and uh, just check us out in a couple days. Peace. Leave comments. One love. Oh yeah, I should have did that. I think we leave a negative comments. Leave comments, questions. Rate the podcast. Give us a like. Uh, yeah, hit the like subscribe. and subscribe button. Yeah. <laughs> hit the like and subscribe button up, up the top. I, know, hey, that's, <laughs> hey, I hate, I hate the poor okay. videos. Yeah. Push the like, push the like. Don't you, don't you, screen, you can see right the link down, down below to cross right. to purchase your merch. I hate right. That's what's up.